All right, so one of the most complicated or nuanced conversations that I have is like, you have two schools of thought. Over here, and I was just on a business call, by the way, where one guy was saying, oh, how does this all work? You got people who go, do what you're good at. Take a personality test. If you're good at computer programming, spend all day doing computer programming. So that's most of the world. And then as everybody knows, I like to take the contrarian stand. So I'm like, I call bullshit on a lot of that. And so, or BS for people who don't like swearing. <laughs> Cut that out. Uh, on this side, you have me only. <laughs> and you now. You're yeah, you honorer. By the way, we have Joel Brown from Australia. What part? I don't know. Uh, from Perth, Western Australia. Perth. Yeah. Oh man, you're in the middle, the most isolated city in the world. I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're well, a little bit behind. <laughs> Did you both meet? This is his lovely girlfriend. Beyonce. And fiance. <laughs> we met at no one told party. me fiance. I did not know that. I was able to guess his astrology, but I wasn't able to guess your marital status. <laughs> <laughs> so, you met in Perth. In Perth at a Halloween party. Okay, and we were having this discussion about meditation and stuff because they do TM, transcendental meditation, every day. Yeah, it should be twice a day, but sometimes we. We get by with once a day sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, if you, what is your take on? Maybe I'll get your vote. Do you think you should do what you're naturally good at, or? That's that's a great question. I think that um, there's this like common mis misconception that you know you only have one passion in your life. Okay. Um, and it's not true. You know, we all have multiple passions in our life, and it's okay that if you're given something a fair shot to to drop it and then move on to something else that you feel you find more happiness and more success. So you're like Richard Branson. In Screw It, Let's Do It, he says, anytime something's not fun, I stop, Yeah. I move on. So he made a few billion dollars that way. Yeah. And I, there's a lot of a lot of ways to skin a cat, as the old farm saying. And if people say that, not on a farm, I feel like it's like not politically correct to say that. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Whenever I'm skinning a cat, I try different ways. Uh, so, Right, okay, so I'll, I'll take the other side of the devil's advocate. Okay. Or I think the answer is like a nuanced answer. And most people in life, because of the cognitive bias called consistency, they can't handle nuanced answers. They're like, tell me, is it, you know, should I be Republican or should I be Democrat? Most people can't handle going, well, on this issue, it seems like Republicans have it. On this issue, it seems like Democrats, right? Chris Brown talks about that. Uh, not Chris Brown. Chris Rock. <laughs> I saw him driving his Lamborghini the other day, so if you're watching, you're one of our neighbors here. Uh, throwing gang signs, apparently. Throwing gang signs? That's <laughs> politics, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, so if you're watching this, here's what I think the answer is in terms of nuance. Um, first thing is you got to understand you can't be egocentric about your life. So in life, if you're driving in a car and the uh, door swings open, like you're sleeping against the door and you don't have your seatbelt on, and the door swings open, physics does not care about your personality type. So when that door opens at 60 miles an hour and you start falling out, it's not gonna be like, what's your uh, INFP Myers-Briggs thing? <laughs> we'll decide if you're gonna hit the ground. It's not, it's just like <laughs> all mass falls to the ground according to gravity on planet Earth, basically. 
So that's kind of like in life, there's certain skills you must possess. In that case, you have to have the possession of the skill of quick reflexes, grab the seatbelt or whatever and pull yourself back in. If you don't have that, you die. It's that simple. So let's say you're starting a business. I hear this a lot in business. People are like, well, I'm not really a numbers person. Well, I'm like, well, then you're never going to really be a rich person because all rich people in business know numbers. I'm telling you, I've never met a dude like, I know nothing. I just do stuff and money's in my bank account. It's not true. Even Richard Branson in that case, who is dyslexic, said at 16 years old, I realized, do I want to be a billionaire or rich? I got to learn numbers. And he overcame that. So it was not his natural skill to know numbers, but he became one of the wealthiest people in the world. So he obviously... So he realized the law of physics said gravity is a rule. And in that case in business, he realized numbers are a rule to speak the language of money. So in that case, it doesn't matter what your strengths are. If your end game goal is, let's say, being successful in business, you will have to do this irregardless of your natural strength. So I think the way to think about that is character. So like everybody in this room is natural. If we know, like Mark is a health expert, um, testosterone increases courage. Dudes with a lot of testosterone sometimes have so much courage, they go on a motorcycle, 120 miles an hour, do a pop a wheelie and die, just disappear, just disintegrate when their motorcycle hits the ground, right? That's testosterone. So some people in this room right here, there's what, 15, 20, 15 people, 10 people, uh, the amount of testosterone you're born with will give you natural courage. Some of you don't have natural courage, but if you want to survive the game of life, you have to overcome that. You can't go, oh, well, my type is the non-courage type. The non-courage human type is like the loser type. So if you don't want to be a loser, you have to have courage. Some people will come easy as hell, and some people it will be very hard. But you can't use your personality type as a way to get out or as a scapegoat, right? Does that make kind of sense? Yeah, but at the same time, it's excuses too, because everybody has like a handicap. Everyone has a disability, advantages. For sure. Excuses. Yeah. Right, so excuses, exactly. So when it comes to the character traits, I'm gonna name them off the top of my head. Courage, perseverance, uh, kindness, when it comes time to be kind war-likeness when it comes time to go to war, uh, inquisitiveness, like all these like intangible traits that I talk about so much. I call on the 67 steps, you know, what, what's the first step Ben? Worth it, or right. uh, the billionaire's brain. Right, but the, what's the gist of it? Being worth it you have to be worth a damn. The only way you'll be worth a damn is to have, and everybody has to be equal. It's just like the car falling out. Every single person has to have the skill to pull themselves back in or you will hit the ground at 60 miles an hour and you'll be dead. No one will be around to care about your personality type. So that's the first thing is, do I possess all, and, and like James was saying, I, I call that the tool belt of life. There's no excuse for that and if you naturally suck at it, that just means you, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, he had naturally big chest, naturally big biceps, teeny calves. He was like chicken leg man, right? Like 60 inch, or what, not 60, 50 inch chest or something like that. 21 inch biceps and little like me, little muffin, little <laughs> beaker legs. But he said he went to South Africa, he met his mentor, Reg Park. And uh, Reg Park said, look man, put 500 pound weight 
on the cab machine, and he's like, no, this is gonna rupture my Achilles, and he's like, nope, you're gonna, we're gonna build up to a thousand pounds and a thousand reps. And he said in two months, or I don't know if it was two months, in a very short period of time, he got two inches on his calves to the point people asked him if he had implants. So he didn't go, like in bodybuilding, it's all about symmetry. You have to have symmetry in your personality and in your skill set too. And most people have no symmetry. They're like really creative, like they daydream. Joel Salton used to say, I used to be a daydreamer. I guess your astrology, Gemini's, my brother's a daydreamer. Who else is a natural daydreamer? My, you're not helping <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> Renee is a little bit, you're not, you, Renee is more wise and experienced, has kind of balanced that out. But I used to be like that. I was walking through a field with my first mentor, Joel Salton, in this big farm. And I was kind of like that, the da, and like the cows had gotten out. Someone had left the gate open, and they were running down the road. And it's a horrible thing when you look out the corner of your eye, and there's like 200 cows booking it down the road. You have to chase them. And I was like da, and of course Joel was like a bird, man. He was like an eagle. It's like, he'd be like, "Did you see that one screw out of place in the workshop?" I'm like, "I didn't even know there's screws in there." And he's like, "Yeah, there one was off." And so he noticed, and afterwards he told me, he goes, "You know, Ty, there's a time to smell the roses." and the time isn't now. <laughs> I tell Ben that all the time. I'm like, Ben, I'll be like, be present right now. So that's a skill that you have to know. When to daydream, when not. And one of the skills, the hardest one is wisdom, man, and discretion. Like Aristotle said, to be angry is easy. To be angry at the right person at the right time for the right reason, for the right length of time, that's difficult. And most humans you'll ever bump into on that specific case, they either have a really bad temper or they have no temper and they're a pushover. You don't want to be either of those. You got to know this is a time, as Adam Carolla, I'll, I'll use a little swear word here. Hopefully this is, no families are watching this, but <laughs> Adam Carolla said to get around in the modern world, you have to have a carefully loaded fuck, fuck off in your gun. So it's like when somebody, you know, is an asshole, you're like, fuck off. And he says, like, oh, be like, oh but yet if you use that gun too much, you're going to be a rude person. So there's a t the key is the character trait you have to develop, and some people are gonna be able to easily do this and some people won't, is when do you pull it and when do you not. I was reading Hillary Clinton's book somewhere here, and she's you know, she talking about Rockefeller, uh, not Rockefeller, uh, Kissinger and the top diplomats. They know when, because she was talking about how she was negotiating with Putin, and she's trying tools in her tool belt, trying to get this guy, basically, you know, Russia, getting to the point now, can be a cold war all over again. She's trying to stop that, the world changing things that affects the lives of billions of people. And Putin wasn't going for it. All her hard negotiations weren't working. So she said, I had a little mental tool in my, and I said, tell me about your project to save ti tigers and wildlife. Because he's really into saving tigers. Uh, and he was like, uh -huh. because he, they were like, it was like mean mugging each other. Like, one, you know, she's the secretary of, uh, uh, of state meeting up with this guy and they're just going head to head, two world powers, and they're like arguing and like, you got to do this, and missile defense system over this, and finally it wasn't working. So she had the wisdom and the, dis the discretion, which is an intangible skill you all have there in tool belt, and she's like, pull out the nice guy thing, or nice woman thing, and she said, what do you think about Tiger? And he's like, oh yeah, and he, come see my collection of, I don't know, not collection of tigers, that would be, 
That would be the opposite of what you did. Some see my tiger stuffed tigers don't. He didn't say that. And they spent three hours doing that, and it completely changed the whole dynamic of the whole company. I mean, of the whole conversation. So my answer is, you have your strengths. To me, what your strengths really are is just telling me what you should be working on. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he did his strengths, weaknesses, it wasn't like my calf sucks, so I'm destined to have middle chicken legs. It was really like, Arnold, you you don't have to spend so many hours on your biceps. Because if you do too much biceps, you're gonna have huge biceps and teeny legs. So it was more of a regime. So when you read your own personality uh, test, think of it as a regime, like my workout regime. Like, okay, I am a, for me, I'm mostly extroverted, which means I derive power from talking in groups. Introverts derive power from what? Being alone. Competition. Competition, being alone. So I have to develop that part of my personality. Now, the flip side, because people go, wait a sec, Ty, you're teaching this from this book called uh, Managing Oneself by Peter F. Drucker. Somewhere here. I can never find my books when I need them. <laughs> I need to be able to be like, we need like a, I guess we should turn this into a Kindle thing. We need Siri to be like, okay, Siri, float my book to me. <laughs> so, if Peter F. Drucker says, one can only build upon strength, you can't build upon weakness. So, Peter F. Drucker, very smart guy, so I'm not going to discount what he says. What I believe that means is, what I was talking about is your everyday intangible things that you have to be good. Yep, everyone here has to be good at all. On the flip side, what you build your career and eight hours a day around, if you hate construction like me, I did construction for a while, I am not good with inanimate things. So building a whole life about being in the construction business would be foolish because that's a style issue, right? It's not a character flaw to not be good at building a house. It is a character flaw to not know when you should be angry or not angry. That's a character flaw. All character flaws must be fixed. To not be patient when it's time to be patient is a character flaw. To be too patient when it's the time to make things happen, that's also a character flaw. So finding balance, but what you build your life around should be around strength. You built your life, or now you're building, it sounds like you like ideas, spreading good ideas, yeah. Yeah. and that's really what, what addicted to success is. Yeah, I'm pretty much addicted to just learning as much as I can and sharing that value with the world. Like that's, that's what I'm here for. Right, so that's your like, that's your career, that's your that's building on strength like Peter Drucker says. Oh, yeah. So you're on the right I mean you're I think the thing is actually I was talking to the guys earlier, going back to what you were saying about Arnold Schwarzenegger and how he wanted to build his cars up. I think the thing is like you can have all the passion in the world that you want and you can be as enthusiastic as you want, but you're not really gonna get there unless you actually have a strategy. Yes. So you need to have a strategy in place and then when you do it you need to stick to it. And I think a lot of people don't do that. Right. They just think that if they have enough passion, they're going to get there. That's not, it's not enough. It doesn't cut it. Well, I talk about the 67 steps. I'm like, I have a whole other take that I got from my second mentor, Alan Nation. He said, Ty, do not do what you love for a business. I was like, what do you mean? Because that's counter everything. Every movie, every cheese ball, novel, <laughs> TV is like, follow your passion. Do what you love. Now, here's the deal. This is what he said. He said, what most people call love is really lust, right? A guy meets a girl, it's like, oh, I love this girl. It's like, and there's nothing wrong with lust because lust is the evolutionary ad adapted purpose. It serves to get you, like a guy, he meets, a, he sees a girl, 
he feels a level of lust. It's not like you should remove lust. That's not a character flaw. What lust does is it makes you have enough energy to invest to hopefully find out if there's more potential. But that's what lust is there for, L-U-S-T. It's got to become a bad word. But if you marry around lust, 20 years from now, if you ask any couple that married, it's not exactly the same as when they first saw each other. So what Alan Nation said, don't do what you love because the second you marry your life to it, you won't love or lust after it. He said, do what you like, which he meant kind of like you should marry a girl or a guy, if you're a woman listening, that you also have a friendship with. Because 15 years into that thing, it's not going to feel like the same that it did the first time you saw each other. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. So it's like expectations, right? Yeah, but right. realistic. Yeah, no realistic dude and no woman is feels exactly the same as they met at when they're high school sweethearts as they do when they're 85. Yeah. So what makes marriages stay together or friendships stay together is when you have stuff in common with them. And so what you should do for your career is what you like. And I didn't believe this, of course. Many instances when I look back, my mentors who were like 60 and I was 18, I'm like, what do they know? And it turned out, believe it or not, they turned out to know something. Not all older people know what they're talking about, but these were the very cream of the crop, intelligent and experienced dudes. And so I used to love salsa dancing. Man, I got into salsa dance phase, became like a professional salsa dance. I was salsa three, four times a night. And then I was like, do what you love, do what you love. So I got in the nightclub business. I turned one of the nightclub business into like a salsa dancing club. That was, I can remember the date. It was like, I don't remember the day. It was like August 04. That is almost the last time I ever went salsa dancing again. <laughs> Once I had it for a business, it was like, do you want to do this? Not when I'm not working, now I'm going to, you know, do something else. So you have to be careful because sometimes the stuff you love can just stay a recreational thing. It doesn't have to be your career. Now, because when we get more nuanced, Picasso said, beware the dichotomy of doing what you don't love in your day job until you, so you can have enough money to do what you do love. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying your life should be built around stuff you have affinity for, natural affinity. For example, let's say Kobe Bryant sitting in this chair, or Michael Jordan. Six foot six, 190 pounds, highly coordinated. Mike, uh, Kobe Bryant's dad was a pro basketball player. Joe Jellybean Johnson was his name. Kobe said six years old, grew up around basketball. His dad playing in Italy, he speaks Italian. He's super coordinated, like I said. Six foot six, six foot seven, not like stocky because basketball, not. So, what do you think Kobe Bryant should do? What's a natural destiny? It's that. If Kobe Bryant started being a power lifter, it would be building on weakness. Yet, Kobe though still lifts weights. So, he rounds himself out, but he builds the core of his life around natural affinity. So, everybody watching this, you got to go, what's my natural affinity? I should do that 80% of my life. The other 20% of your life is fixing your weaknesses to the point you have no Achilles heel. Everybody know Achilles, the story? Had all the armor on in the world, but the one chink in the armor. That's where the arrow will hit you. And it will. Look at business. Man, I meet entrepreneurs all the time. They're good at everything except hiring people. So they hire the wrong person, the person gets mad and just sabotages the whole business. I'm like, well, you didn't know how to read people. That's a skill you have to develop. So everybody watching this, everybody here, you gotta ask yourself, and this is a scary thing to do, it's like 
with health. The scariest thing everybody can do in the world physically with physical fitness, and I wish everybody in America did this. You take off all your clothes, you go and admit you stand in the bathroom and you look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> Every night. Don't fuck him down, mate. <laughs> if, if you ban you look at yourself every day. Ban you, man. It's easy for me. Most people. Ban does it three times a day. Uh, no, but you look at yourself in the mirror and everything you need to know about life is told to you right there in the mirror. You're like, my strengths, my weaknesses, my natural affinities. Like I told Renee. Renee's like a big dude, naturally. So I was like, Renee, you should be a power lifter, man. You should live low, low uh, reps, high weight. That's your natural thing. Whereas, you know, you're more lean, you're more like built to do long distance running or whatever, something like that. But at the same time, you still have to probably put on a little muscle and that, and Renee maybe wants to be a little bit leaner. It's like that balance, but you still build around the core thing. Yeah. Any thoughts, questions, disagreements? We were actually talking about this earlier. Like for me, yeah, I'm a hard gainer. So for me at the gym, I'm trying to lift the heaviest to put the, the muscle on, whereas I know friends that are like, they're naturally big and they're like, they're trying to lift light and do lots yeah. and lots of reps. So they're focusing on their weakness and I'm focusing on mine. But you, if you became like, for your long-term physical goals, you should not try to compete sumo. <laughs> you will never be able, there's a limit to the bounds. And, and the good news is that's not a character flaw to not be a sumo wrestler. It's probably healthy. It's probably healthy to not be a sumo wrestler, right? Although, one of the top sumo wrestlers is not that fat. One of the top guys, I forget his name. My dad used to watch sumo. I didn't grow up with my dad, but my some few memories of my dad is in three in the morning. He's like, Ty, come watch sumo. <laughs> so you said, you posted this video that I did on how to read a book in five minutes or ten minutes. Ten minutes, yeah. Right. So I was saying, that video is not quite, I don't know how it got out every once in a while. One of my business partners, John Duar, said, never video anything you don't want the world to see because once in a while that, that'll get out. Ask Kim Kardashian. Although maybe she wanted it to be seen. It might have been a careful boy. So we recorded that as like a test and I don't know who got a hold of it and put it live, but a lot of people saw it. So here's my thing on reading. So most people major and major and minors in, my, in minors. So, being able to literally speed read is a minor skill. Here's what the most major skill everybody should have. And remember, that's the misweighting bias and the 25 cognitive biases. Most humans down there on Sunset Boulevard, this is what they're thinking about right now, seriously. 99% of people down there, they're going, I wonder, I wonder if that shirt I'm wearing looks pretty good. Or other people are like, should I get this Starbucks coffee or that one? Or uh, you know, in three months, should I take my vacation to Bahamas or Disneyland? What they're not thinking about, which is the more important question is, why does my life suck and how can I fix it? <laughs> Seriously, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. What should you spend most of your time thinking about? Stuff that's really relevant to the law. Whether you buy a coffee or whether you buy a red car or a black car, these are the things people fixate on. Should I get this digital camera? Should I get this? flat screen TV. 20 years from now, you will not remember the outcome of those decisions. What you will remember the outcome of is if your health went to crap, if you hate every day of your life going to work, if you never find, had friends, I mean deep friendships and romance in your life, and if you never could attain happiness. So most of everybody is here today, I hope, the people that work with me, 
is spent predominantly pondering the majors. And then if you have any time left, any glycogen left in your brain, at 9.15 before you go to bed at 9.30, or maybe that's early here, <laughs> 12, you know, before you go to bed at 12.30, then you go, I wonder what shirt I should wear tomorrow. And this is one of the things, now this is gonna probably get me in trouble, I have to edit this out. Uh, in unfortunate, and this is a societal thing, not a gender thing, it's not intrinsic to the difference between men and women, because basically men and women, for most parts, are identical, especially on brain power. Men and women are the same for the most part. There's very little difference. Women get sold a bunch of goods by the world and women, and the reason I think, because someone asked me, and this is a responsive question, 440 self-made billionaires in the world, seven of them are women. And I think that's 440, 450. So about 99% are men. So they were asking me, why do they think that it, so there's different theories. One theory is that men have more testosterone so that they will be naturally more aggressive and take more risks. And oftentimes people that make a lot of money took risks. Women, because they're more valuable. Basically guys, bad news for us, definitely not that valuable. All of America could go on with like 100 guys, right? Men produce enough sperm to like one dude can repopulate a planet. Obviously you wouldn't want that many because you have inbreed. <laughs> no, you have inbreed. So if one dude, so you need a large enough pool, but men are not that valuable. So men have to take, this is Dr. David Buss. If you haven't read in my book of the day, again, another book I'm sure I can't find right now, <laughs> is Evolutionary Psychology uh, by Dr. David Buss. Women are always gonna be more important. So what do men do to compensate for that? they have to take huge risks. And most men take the risks and disappear off the planet. They drive the motorcycle 500 miles an hour. You know, like Futurama says, all men exist, uh, all, all civilization exists so men can show off to the opposite sex. And sometimes <laughs> to the same sex, they say. So the reason guys do stupid stuff, for the most part, is some display. Why guys try to make money. So women, in this one theory of why there's only seven self-made billionaires or whatever, is that women don't need to take the risks, okay? I have an all, I think there's probably some biological truth. The people who did that theory are pretty smart. I think more important than that is what's called social memes. So it's just bullshit, there's no reason. And in fact, women who have the same goals, statistically, if you segment those women out, they actually do just as well as men in business. That's been studied. So women who have the same ambitions as men, they compete just as well. So um, the reason what our society does and media does is tricks men into certain mistakes and then, and then women into certain one, and one of them is women fixate because of society on minors. You know, how you look is important, obviously as a man or woman when it's related to health, but at the end of the day, we're all gonna be old. So what you don't wanna do is build your whole life around what you're gonna look like from 18 to 25 because guess what? What happens when you're 25 and one day old? So I think there's a lie that society has put on. There's certain lies for men and certain lies for women. So that's an example of misweighting bias. If Maya, my cousin here, every day I told her, it's like, all you should worry about is brushing your hair and how much makeup you have on. 
and she bought into that lie, she would spend all day doing that and forget about the majors. The majors are like, are you healthy? Are you wealthy? Are you have love in your life? And are you happy? But if you watch TV, 2,000 ads a day, we average one of, oh, we see, it's just pounding away at what, these roles that don't even make sense. So my first piece of advice with books and why this is relevant is the same principle applies with books. People go, oh, you know what's the most important thing with book? Learning how to read it faster. Well, what if you read horrible books faster? Then it's actually speed reading is decreasing your life value because you just read 100 you know, Harlequin Twilight books really fast and now they're all in your brain. I would, if that was your goal, I'd be like, well, learn how to read really slow. So you can't get what's in your brain. So you gotta ask yourself, what's the biggest major with books? And I do read fast and that comes way later, but it's minor. The most important is what books are you reading? So I put, it's funny, I put, this is how proud people are. Pride ego is another conversation. I post the 100 best books I've ever read, and I've read a lot of books, man. You would think most people, now I get Instagram, Twitter, you'd think people would be like, dude, I read that book you said you recommend. Remember, these aren't my books. I'm not like a, I'm an unbiased person. I'm like, that's a good book. I didn't write it, I, you know, but read that one. They come with the list. Got 10 books to take Ty's 10 day challenge, and it's the worst books known to mankind. It's like books, I mean, not worse. I don't want to bring up, like I was telling them, a lot of books that people love are not my favorite uh, for different reasons. Robert Greene books, I never got could get into them. Maybe you get value, I don't. Uh, uh, what's the one book? Uh, four Hour Work Quick. No, that's not bring up. That's not bring up. Uh, four Hour Work Quick. we're talking about? Think and grow, think and grow rich and stuff like that. I'm not saying there are good books or bad books. It's hard to define what's good and bad. I'm just saying, why not start with the list that I give away for free? I don't know. I mean, people are so. Alan Ashton also told me, you know, the good thing about life, Ty, as a businessman, you can tell everybody what you do. And the best thing, you know, how a lot of people are secretive about their business. I'm like, shout it out so much and people will like go oh. I think Kentucky Fried Chicken instead of not telling the 12 herbs and spices you know the secret recipe they should have like posted it on thousands of blogs and everybody would have been like I can prove on that and literally no one would have just copied the 12 herbs and spices I'm serious you so copying just copy the books that I have after you read those first five if you're like oh Ty's full of crap I read I read Selfish Gene I read Durant's lesson of history. I read uh, uh, Contiki. What's the other ones I have up there? Managing oneself. Managing oneself. Wine. After you read that, be like, this Thai guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Then move on to a different list. So first thing, there's 130 million books. At best, you're going to read three to ten thousand if you're a machine. So a lot of the books that I see people reading, in my mind, is like book number eighteen thousand nine hundred and forty-three. Which means you have to finish 18,942 books before you're allowed to read that one. So start putting limits on yourself. I'm telling you, man, if you do this, if you just block out your life and your like health, like I've been talking a lot with Mark. He's like, man, you block out your time to get in shape. And no matter what happens, you stick to that thing because that's a major wealth. You figure out what will create wealth, you must acquire scarce resources into your possession or you will disappear off this planet and never be remembered.
Anyone who thinks money is dirty doesn't know that money is actually the opposite. As long as it's acquired legally and ethically, it represents reciprocal altruism. That means Bill Gates, who is, I, I just I saw he's the richest man in the world right now. He's done more good than all of us combined, represented by the money in its possession. And if you use common sense, who's the man who is eradicating smallpox? Bill Gates. Who's the man almost eradicating malaria? Bill Gates. Who's, now, it's not just him, it's his foundation. Who's the man massively changing education in Africa? But who's the one, you know, it used to be huge percentage of kids went to bed hungry every day. None of us did it. I didn't do it. Reciprocal altruism. Six billion dollars represent, uh, 60 represents more units. So anybody who's out there gonna give you a hard time about money, just know in their brain. Forgive their ignorance. They don't know what they're talking about. So the third thing is, so you gotta read books on health. You have to read books on wealth. And you have to read books on on love, as we know, like Matt Lieberman and Social Talks about, the human brain is all about relationships. You get that one wrong and you'll sabotage. In fact, Jonathan Haidt told me, if you use money and separate you socially, then money will hijack your happiness. But if you use money to increase social connection, money will increase your happiness. Money is a, money is a pit bull, dude. It's the best thing known to Matt. Pit bull is the best thing ever when you're asleep and like, you hear two meth heads broke into your house, down in your living room, walking around, you're not gonna be like, thank God I have a chihuahua. You're gonna be like, thank God I have Brutus here, sitting here, just like growling and pulling on the thing, and you're just like, what's that movie where he's release? No, no, where the, he could, it was one word to make the dogs not sick you. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. And he couldn't remember, it was like, the word was like release, and he was being attacked by dogs, he's like, recoil! Uh, re revamp, and <laughs> retreat, and uh, anyway, so uh, a pit bull and money are the same. When they work for you, use them right, they'll save your life. When you don't know how to handle them, they'll turn around and rip your throat out. So money's a, money's a powerful thing you gotta keep on a leash. And happiness, so you gotta be reading books. We know all about happiness is already, I, I feel, I see people, everybody, most popular Facebook posts I put are things about how to be happy and destiny. And everybody acts like we know nothing. We literally act as if 10,000 years ago when you broke your arm. You know what used to happen when you broke your arm? You would go to like one witch doctor and he'd be like, let me put mud on it. And he'd put mud and another dude would be like, I'm gonna dance around your arm. <laughs> another dude would put comfrey leaves. You know what happens now when you break an arm? Anywhere in the world, even the most third world country and you go to the hospital, they're like, we take an x-ray, we set the bone, we put a cast, it's fixed. Well, when it comes to happiness, how many things? Ask your friends what will make you. You got people chanting meditation stuff for them. You have people freaking telling you, no, love is all you need. You have people being like, money, dude, I'm gonna be happy when I have money. Guys, like women. It's already been figured out, man. Read Martin Seligman's Learned Optimism. You will walk away today after reading this and know more about happiness. It's already figured out. The beauty of the modern world is we have these new things called brain scanners. They can stick the human brain under it. By the way, you used to not be able to use this. You just have to wait till people came in brain dead from car accidents to study the brain. But now we have advanced scanners. You can just, I can take you, put you under, uh, uh, under a, mach a scanning machine. 
basically show you a series of memories or images, and you'll know what releases dopamine, what releases cortisol. It's all been figured out, man. It's just like diet. People are still like, oh, I don't know what I should do. I'm like, dude, it's been pretty figured out. Hey, what are you doing? You don't need to chant. Money, it's pretty much been figured out. And even friendships and love. You know, I was talking about this. If you really want to be happy, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on record as the first person I've ever read to say this, which makes no sense because lots of people should have figured out this. Best thing you can do is find all your old childhood friends and fly them out and figure out a way to spend time around them all the time. New friends are good and old friends are better and, unrecre and unrecreatable. And that's what, and the stats are in on marriage. People who marry childhood friends stay married the longest, more than any other source. By the way, what is the lowest source? Uh, what is the, the worst source of a relationship being found uh, in terms of staying married? Work. Work. <laughs> no, but think about it. You get slapped together with people that you have no necessarily, uh, no necessarily like experiential memories with them. And you just end up marrying them because you see the dude in the cubicle next to you all day. You're like, ah, not a lot of choices. Dilbert <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. But what, and, and, and for not just on marriage, what makes you happy is what Jonathan Haidt told me is called uh, uh, companionative love. Companionative love is only forged through the furnace of adversity. Me and you know, me and you haven't known each other that long, so we would be impossible for us to have companionative love. If we had gone to war together and he had saved my life, like I always tell the story of Alexander the Great when he was 19 years old, uh, one of his first battles against the Persians, he was running into battle. And of course, he was the, one of the king's son, so the Persians sought him out, and three Persians, one came and got him with the spear right through, but it didn't penetrate his armor, and like, but, but pinned him. And the second, uh, the second Persian guy had a sword and was coming down to chop Alexander the Great straight to the bottom, just right down the middle. And Alexander the Great's friend came from behind and chopped that guy's arm off, one cut and saved Alexander the Great's life. Let me tell you who had a good friendship after that. <laughs> There's very famous his, uh, historical cases of people who have saved like presidents, kings, lives. There was another guy, I forget his name, one of the one of the R Russian guys, one of the Russian czars. He was walking down the street and there used to not be secret service and a guy came and tried to stab him right in the neck. And it's interesting, the same thing. His, uh, a general just happened to be, uh, or uh, like a major or something happened to be walking by and killed his potential assassin, and he became he made him the head of the whole military. So companionative love is generally takes a lot of years to form. So one of the things you can do if you don't feel that happy, you're too isolated. Now some people their lives suck because when they were young they were like isolated. And that's a harder case to figure figure out. But anyway, all these thoughts that I'm getting from is not because I'm smart. It's just I downloaded. I was telling both of you, I was saying, you want to know what's truly spiritual to me, not to downgrade other spiritual things, but major and majors. Imagine right now, each of you downloads, right now in your brain, like one of those Matrix movies, or like Lucy, the little channel, <laughs> you saw the movie Lucy. You could download in your brain, and right now you would have the courage of Alexander the Great to charge 400 men with four men, and live to tell the, and then to have an arrow through them, and, his dad had an error in his eye. These guys went on to conquer world. Everyone here has that level of courage. You download in your brain. Intelligence. Everybody understands the world like Stephen Hawking and Albert Einstein. Third, everybody here has the money-making savvy of Warren Buffett, who at seven years old was already 
figuring out how to invest in bonds. Or Bill Gross, who manages an investment fund with $2 trillion. One man manages it, about 5% of the debt bonds in the United States. One man, one guy. You download his, all of the empathy and humanitarian and world-changing vibe or energy of Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, all into your brain right now. Not anybody here not gonna like that idea? I feel like it'll be a good idea, right? Everything you need, yeah. What's behind me? Books. Martin Luther King Jr. is dead. He is not able to do that, but he's right there. So when it comes to books, take the mic right framework, download the consciousness of the greatest people first, and if you have any time later, then you can read book number 18,793. But no starting with Curious George and Madeline or whatever. Not you, Madeline, the French Madeline. No, I'm gonna call that the Curious George Syndrome. I'm like, man, I'm gonna figure out how to run this business. What book are you starting with? Uh, Winnie the Pooh and Curious George. It's got some good business tactics in here. I'm like, better than, it's better than Sam Walton's? Completely. He made $160 billion. Winnie the Pooh made honey, or whatever he did. <laughs> so that's my answer to your addicted to success large following. That's a great answer, man. Very long, but great. <laughs> hey, actually, you know what? When you're talking about um, some of the top posts, there's something I want to add in. Um, you're saying like a lot of them are happiness. Actually, one of my top posts on my site is uh, why successful people leave their loser friends behind. Right. And it's kind of controversial. We had some people go in and go, oh, that's bullshit. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be sticking with your friends to the end. And it's not. But the whole the article is about like getting rid of negative and toxic people out of your life. Well, I think the answer is, it's, it's what I said, it's what Aristotle said, you you gotta do it in the right amount, you don't have to go crazy with it. So what I have certain, what I, I, I have two approaches. Some people are absolute poison. Get them out, like, overnight. Whenever I do that, it's amazing. There's other people that are good people, but they're just stuck. And everyone here, including myself, has been stuck. So you wouldn't want people to defriend you just because you're stuck, right? <laughs> But it doesn't mean you have to spend eight hours a day with them. So some people, what I do is I just decrease the time I'm with them, let them get unstuck. Because some people gotta go through the fire themselves and you gotta let them go through the fire and then they snap out of it. And then you up your friendship. But I don't, I'm a loyal person, so I don't think you should cut people off unless they're poisonous. And then lastly, I think that, uh, I think that you should follow this law of 33%. That's what I talked about in my TED talk. So 33% of people are lower than you. But by the way, let me say, none of these people can be toxic. So even if they're lower than you in accomplishment, they can't be just pure a-holes. Everybody knows somebody like that, really. You're just like, all right. As Joel Stapps used to say, I don't mind carrying a man, but I don't want him to drag his feet. So people that you're carrying on your back helping, if they're dragging their feet, because you're, you're like walking across the puddle, just throw them off into the puddle. <laughs> the, puddle might be, the puddle will wake them up, and then maybe, or they'll drown, and nothing you could. In that movie, Lucy, it was an interesting scene. She walks into the operating table, and she has a gun, and she's like, she's really smart. She reads the charts, and the doctors are like doing emergency surgery on someone, and she just shoots them. The doctor's like, how'd you kill him? He's like, he was already gonna die. I saw it in the chart. So you have some people you're not gonna be able to save, and, or you need to let 
the teacher of last resort save them, which is Mother Nature, which is a bitch to teach, but we all have to have that. The second thing, that's, that's the, so you take the bottom 33% and you teach them, or you keep them as friends. They also help you have good self-esteem, because you'll be like, oh, people are doing worse than me. <laughs> <laughs> so second law of 33%, you gotta spend time with, 33% of your time with people on your level, because as Gandhi said in his autobiography, as you rise to the top, you'll get lonely. So you need people on your level because that's what I'm talking about, companionship love. Those are usually your peers, right? Because like when you get, the last 33% is your mentors and those percentage of people usually are not your best friends, they're your mentors. So the last 33%, you have to spend your time with people that are 20 years ahead of you. And that's what most people don't do. That's the problem in the modern school system. What do you think is gonna happen when you put a whole bunch of people 14 to 18, 2,000 of them together. You think a lot of knowledge is coming out of that? No, you, everyone's gonna become more retarded. I mean, I shouldn't use retarded. More, <laughs> more stupid, how about that? More stupid, that's not even, that's not, I guess that's the right. The thing is you're learning from teachers that no, but that making count. like less than a six-figure income, so how are you gonna become more? Yeah, but even, but even that, it's like, eat, you don't spend, the role that the position that the teachers are in is more like, it's like an adversarial role with the kids. They're there, the kids are there. Most kids are zoned out. The second, most kids think about when you're in high school. Some of you hasn't been so long as you What did you, what was most of high schools about is about social interaction. Yeah. That's what you remember, yeah. your friends. Not many people are remembering your pre, pre-calculus. Track and weight training for Ben. <laughs> no, but that's not, so the law of 33% in the modern world, you ask, ask yourself, you got everyone here while on camera, ask yourself, yesterday, 16 hours, you were awake probably. Did you spend 33% of that, which is about four and a half hours, around people that are 20 years ahead of precisely where you want to be, right? And the answer for most people is a horrifying no, because dude, most people don't even spend four and a half minutes with people. So that last 33%, that's the hard one. But the rule, there was a time in my life, people are like, how did you get successful young? I'm like, well, I'd love to make some prideful answer like I'm so smart, but I don't think it has anything to do with me. I think it had, there was a time in my life I was spending 16 hours a day around guys 20 years ahead of me. Literally, I was surrounded, I was like 19 and they were all 60. So what do you think the end result that'll come out of that? 60 guys that are at the billion dollar level or multi-million or changing the world or authors, what do you think's gonna happen? It's gonna rub off a bit. Yeah, man, it can't help. It can't, you can't learn less. It's not like you're gonna come away from that unless you plug your ears and most people, you won't. You'll be overwhelmed by the authority bias. And it starts, for, it, I remember the real reason is exactly like lifting weights. The first time guys do heavy squats, they vomit. Because like your body's not used to it and people don't move towards things that make them vomit. Very few organisms on the planet, including humans, will be like, what made me vomit yesterday? Let me do more of that. <laughs> We're actually built alcohol. the opposite, yeah. Except alcohol, but I a true Australian answer. I move right back to what makes me vomit. <laughs> Yeah, well when you it's like get- a, a, it's, a, it's the chemical bias, because you're, you're remembering- And punishment bias. Uh, Reward, no, chemical bias is in the moment that you're drinking. But you remember that, like, that's why I want to drink. Yeah, but that's reward bias. That's why, that's by the way, so actually good point. Why does that work? It's because the reward of alcohol, people perceive it as very high. 
So the reward outweighs the pain. Reward can trump pain in alcohol. But anyway, the law of 33%, most of the reason that everybody here watching, everyone doesn't spend 33% of their time, it's too intimidating, man. And it's an affront to your pride. Almost everybody thinks they're smart. And so to get around people 10 times smarter than you is a natural implication like, maybe I'm not so smart. That's what happened to me. I remember you feel like, well, I was like 19, I never cry as a man. One time I almost cried. Like 10 super powerful guys were like, haha, you'll never be anything, you're a moron. And I was like, I was like sitting around the fireplace. I was like, and I was stuck because I was on a trip with them. And I was like, I want to escape, I want to escape. But actually what came out of it is I remember saying, I think I was 19, I was actually in uh, no, Mississippi, not New Zealand. And I said, no one will ever laugh at me about financial questions. No one will ever say Ty doesn't know. And I became a CFP. And now I can talk to anybody about finance. It's about ROI. Yeah, somebody asked me what ROI, what my ROI on my, I told them I started a business. Now normal dudes are gonna be like, oh man, you started a business? Like your mom gets all like pinching your cheeks. Real business dudes are like, real business guys are like, what kind of business? I'm like, oh, it's a consulting company. They're like, how much was your gross profit? I'm like, is gross profit the same as revenue? They're like, you're a moron. <laughs> and then I'm like, they're like, what's your ROI? I'm like, uh, what is that again? And they're like, I remember one of them's like, you're never gonna make any money, dude. And I was like, and these were guys that are like my mentor, well, they were drunk, by the way. <laughs> they were normally a little nicer, but they had been drinking, and they're just like, dude, you're never gonna be, you know how drunk people are like, dude, you're never gonna be nothing, man. And I was just like, oh man, this is the end of the world for me. And uh, but then, if you're like Michael Jordan, you know what happened when you told Michael Jordan stuff? He decimated you. There was a few dudes like that were like, I'm gonna hold you to zero points in the game, and he scored like six. That's why Jordan, whenever he went to Madison Square Garden against John Starks, he was like, boy, I love John Starks. Because John Starks, before the game, would start talking trash. And there was a period of time, I think Jordan averaged 60 points a game every time he was out in New York. So he had that Alexander the Great syndrome, which I've tried to learn, everyone here should learn. Whenever people are like, well, you will never be anything. You can just use that as a pain point to catapult you. Once in a while, people are right. So sometimes you like tell people like, I know a girl that's like, I want to be a model. I'm like, I don't know if that's your thing. I'm like, I'm not going to go for that. And she's like, she'll be like, well, now that Ty said I can't do it. I'm like, no, in this instance, I'm actually right. Not do that. No American Idol syndrome. So anyway, there we go. So the first time I heard of you was actually on a date night. So it was on a Tuesday and we have we have date night every Tuesday. So we have alternate nights. You know, Joel will plan one and then I'll plan the next. And this one date night, Joel's like, okay, you know, this is what we're doing. It's just walking distance. It won't be far. And he takes me to the bookstore. Actually, he took me to... No, I Is lied. this in Perth, by the way? Yeah, this is in Perth. Walking distance in Perth is like, what, eight miles? Australia? <laughs> 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 you're going to pet kangaroo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to kangaroo, the kangaroo gave her a ride. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> I jumped on my kangaroo. And Three days later, we arrived at the bookstore. <laughs> 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 it's like 10 books in the bookstore. <laughs> I know, three days later, you know, crawling through the desert, we got there. <laughs> and Joel took me to this really cute cafe, and he's like, okay, now here's the real surprise. So we go to this bookstore and, you know, I have like three or four books in my hand that I buy that I still haven't opened or read any. Um, 
and Joel's reading this book for about an hour. And I'm like, come on, I'll just buy you the book. Let's just go. And Joel's like, oh, no, it's good. I'm, I'm almost finished. Give me two more minutes. I'm like, what do you mean? It's been an hour. You're like, yeah, you know, I've, I've learned this new thing from this guy and I'll tell you all about it. But I've read the book. It's, it's awesome. And that was it. And then he explained all, all so about you on the way home. Yeah, your techniques, man. Yeah, it worked. All right. So you've so you been part of our date night. I've been part of it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I was a part of that ruined it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best date night, I've got to say. I'm really creative with our date nights. So it's just like, that's like a, a girl's yeah. like, yeah. girl like, like, roses fall from the sky <laughs> while a floating table across the beach. And he's like, let's go to read a book. I'm going to read a book. That's and like, I'm going so to try out this technique. So I can make more money. So what, was what was the book on? What was the book on? It's actually called. Was it in my list? No, it isn't. Okay, violation. It's actually called Unprofessional. Well, okay. I'm gonna call it Jack Delosa. Okay. That's interesting. He's basically like, you can just wing it in business. And that's what he did. And he's just like, he didn't go and learn. He didn't get a degree in that. And he just, he was unprofessional the whole way through, but he's like a multi-millionaire in Australia, you guys. Yeah, so we have some cherry wine trial. A little bit. Oh, I tried yeah. that. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and I bought four books about happiness. Were any of them read? <laughs> I possess four books which I lay on my head. Like, girls put cu cucumbers on their eyes and you put them on to get rid of them. I just sit the books here and absorb yes. information. That is probably not the best. That is not in my video on how to learn. There is no osmosis through the pages. <laughs> That's the secret. So, have you been able to read more books now using that technique? Um, yeah, I find it really hard on the Kindle. Because I'm, I'm yeah. pretty stuck on my Kindle and it's just like flick, flick, flick. <laughs> Yeah, I don't okay, like candles, man. Candles are candles are painful. What you gotta do, like these books, just as a quick thing. Gary so we'll do it quick. Gary Vaynerchuk. That's cool. I interviewed Gary. Say hello to Was Gary. Was he super low key and like very low energy guy? Nah, hell. <laughs> That's how Maya's take on guys that freak her out. She's like not very high energy. I mean, not very good. Uh, so you can take a book like this. So you gotta pass it on to her, man. We were talking, Renee was talking about, we saw that movie Lucy, the best line in there. We exist as humans to pass on what we learn. Yeah. If you're not passing it on to your fiance. Yeah, I want to I did actually, yeah, I told you a few points. points. And I probably went like this. Because <laughs> she's probably thinking about, I don't know, shopping or something. No, it's not <laughs> <laughs> Hey, no gender stereotypes. We just talked about this. We have to crush the stereotypes. Yeah, we're going to live, who knows, 50 years from now, there'll be... 440 female billionaires and seven guys. <laughs> Wait, get, how about even? I like even. 220 each. So that's fine. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, uh, thank you all for attending. You didn't come from far. You came from the office over there. <laughs> thank you for I coming. In here seven feet. Days later. Yeah, uh, thanks for checking from Australia. You came on foot, I heard. To <laughs> we did, You yes. can walk on water. It wasn't very far. No. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, thanks, man. Thank you, man. Did you want to say?